Hello, and welcome to Astrology Hotline, the podcast where we answer all your birth chart and astrology questions. Joining me today is Joji. Hello, hello. Hello. And uh, how are you doing, Joji? I am good. Um, sniffling with allergies, but <laughs> feeling great. <laughs> nice. Just went to ESAR not too long ago. It was amazing to meet a lot of uh, the astrology peeps. Um, still coming off of that high, really. It's hard to kind of get reintegrated into a world where not everyone is an astrologer. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, sounds like a, a wonderland. When my s- son was like three, uh, I took them to, uh, it was called Great Wolf Lodge up in Traverse City. Mm-hmm. And I remember we got there at like one o'clock in the morning. Uh, they were like half awake and I was, you know, taking them up to the room and woke up. And like the first thing that they said was um, like, what is this? What is this dreamland we're in? And I was like, it was like literally like they thought that they'd woken up in uh, in like a dreamland. Oh, and that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was such a great moment. But that's what I imagine, honestly, like. An astrology oh, conference to be which uh, it really was if, if it wasn't for covid <laughs> i probably would have already been to one by now um but i honestly cried every day i was there and this is my cancer sun and rising for sure <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> um just i've been learning astrology for a while and a lot of these people were just in my computer you know and to see them in real life and to have them recognize me <laughs> I, that's even like uh, crazier you know but yeah it was an amazing time it's feeling like such a, a big missing piece for me, like more mm-hmm. and more now that like everybody else is getting to do it, getting jealous. Yeah. Well, next year, let's go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a priority now. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's one, um, there's a Great Lakes Astrology Conference that yeah. they canceled it in 2001 or 2001, 2021. And I guess they just didn't even try to do it this year. I'm All hoping right. they bring that back because that was in Ann Arbor and that's mm-hmm. like less than an hour from where I live. Yeah, so close to me too. It's like I, there's no way I would not show up to that one. Mm. That's right. That is, you're probably We're pretty close. Physically, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're just like across the uh, the lake. The lake. Yeah, one yeah. of those. Um, anywho, shall we? Uh, I think we're just going to do one question today. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. It could be a kind of a biggish question. I guess we'll see where we go with it. Um, but our question comes from Sam and Sam asks, uh, what planet rules astrology? And wow. I got excited by this question just cause, just cause I get to do my favorite thing, which is to be like, well, everybody says this, but it's actually this, <laughs> and, but, uh, even with that kind of perspective, like, you know, all the planets sort of have a role in what astrology is and maybe even if I were looking at a chart, like what would make someone uh, gravitate towards astrology right. uh, or give someone maybe some of the traits of an astrologer. Um, so I figured we'd maybe talk a little bit about different ideas on this and maybe some planets you would consider to be more heavily involved in astrology than others. Yeah. Or, um, uh, no, you, you go for it. Yeah. But maybe th- we'll start with the simple answer which uh, yes the simple answer is of course mercury mercury <laughs> yes uh 
It is Let's the now I get too far from Mercury. Um, yes, I yeah. think uh, Mercury is out of the gate. If anyone wants yeah. to fight with me, uh, we'll see each other after Mars leaves uh, Cancer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's yeah. not even there yet. So yeah. we'll we'll wait a little while. Yeah, and even I mean, Mercury makes intuitive sense um, yeah. in that it's the interpreter of symbols in what mm-hmm. is astrology, but a set of symbols uh, which yeah. we interpret as astrologers and, and translate. Mm-hmm. And that actually like brings a very interesting, uh, I guess, a uh, fact. I, I, don't, I don't know if we can <laughs> call it fact, mm-hmm. but I just don't want to butcher the name. Um, but there's mm-hmm. this guy, uh, Andazar, I think, Alandazar, uh, Andarzar, uh, Andarzagar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One of Andar-Zar. the, uh, uh arabic astrologers and mm-hmm. he has a list of triplicity the rulers of the triplicities of the houses and each topic they correspond to and here's what he has to say about the ninth house which is very interesting because ninth house is usually where we find um astrology learning higher learning mm-hmm. faith and things like that so he says that um, the first lot of the triplicity of the place of the journey, uh, which is the ninth house, indicates the journey and its suitability. The second, religion and religious observance and eminence that one obtains in that form. And the mm-hmm. third indicates science, vision, stars, uh, slash astrology, and omens and truth and falsehood. Um, mm-hmm. Which is very interesting because that's the third uh, triplicity ruler that would be responsible for astrology. And... Although Mercury is the planet that rules astrology, Mercury is not the third participating triplicity ruler of any of the triplicities. Um, So by this technique, using the triplicity lords of the ninth house, Mercury could actually never rule astrology for a specific nativity, which is very Mm. um, interesting to think about. And I think this is more so one of those cases where um, you see like Firmicus Materna saying that uh, the sun and the moon cannot uh, rule the nativity because they rule everything. And I think that could also be a similar case with Mercury that he cannot rule the astrology of a particular native, um, or they cannot rule um, the astrology of a particular native um, because they rule everything. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. of the astrologies, all of the sciences. Um, so that's my my thought. What do you think? I think that's a, actually a really good way of looking at it because Mercury, and it's been helpful for me too, is to, uh, I know for a while I was kind of leaning heavily, too heavily on like what planet rules the house and like mm-hmm. almost getting like forgetting that Venus is always going to Venus and Mercury is always yeah. going to Mercury. Um, but Mercury has that just that job of translating everything and mm-hmm. sort of weaving things together into uh, something that can be delivered. Um, and also it has that, you know, the, the receptive component of like listening to yeah. or uh, seeing and translating, kind of putting the, the information into a pot and mm-hmm. categorizing it. And for almost everything that astrology does, so there's, different layers of it that i i want to sort of look at some of the modern takes on what Mm -hmm. um planets rule astrology um which sort of makes sense depending on how you're on what angle you're perceiving astrology from but mercury has that job of like you wouldn't have any of it uh 
without mercury because you know you you need mercury to take the sources of information and translate it. translate them yeah yeah and even if we're thinking about i think you're going into outer planet territory and even if you're mm -hmm. thinking about that like we can't even see the outer planets without mercury because mercury are the tools and the gadgets and yeah. the, the sciences necessary to even tap into that other realm of existence yeah so yes you're an us can participate in the astrology party but <laughs> <laughs> without mercury no one is gonna get to see uranus dance around you know and yeah, throw yeah. A bash. yeah and well oh, i want to jump to uranus but um i like that you brought up the ninth house because that is probably one of the primary at least house topic areas that i would look yeah. For, for astrology for almost every way that you use it too it's you know mm -hmm. omens and in, in kind of meaning making and uh i like the idea of the journey too with like yeah the ninth house which even maybe very non-traditional modern astrologers will still want to weave uh, a sort of personal narrative around the chart uh, i think that's one of the big things that astrology is useful for is, is kind of finding yourself in the context of your, your journey or your, um, weaving yourself into a quest, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of the ninth house, you, you do have the ninth house is the, <clears throat> the house where the sun rejoices. Yeah. And the sun is also one of the planets that gets wrapped up in divination, uh, because mm. it has that ability to see, but Mercury is the the translator of the vision of the sun of yes. you know what the sun knows. So, kind of even in that context, you get you get the Mercury component. I think it's also fair to say that Mercury does not just translate the sun, but the moon. I think uh, mm -hmm. it's it it would be doing a disservice to now talk about the connections to the moon and mysticism because mm -hmm. it's similar to the the thing with. Uh, Mercury, where a lot of the Mercury significations got imported to Uranus, the a lot of the significations of the moon got uh, given to Neptune um, and mysticism and that sense of like nebulousness and yeah. um, the, the wandering fog of night. And um, those are all very lunar things. And oh, yeah. you have Mercury be participating in both sects. Um, so like the day sect with the sun and the night sect with the moon is that Mercury is the translator of lights. Um, it really exp it, it makes sense of the the fog of the night, the irrational and the mystical, but it also makes sense of the the very concrete, the visual and the light. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that yeah, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I, don't think I gotta say anything else. Absolutely. Well, they're and they're like the fastest moving, um, but like traditionally, you would look at the moon and Mercury really for kind of the the mind of the individual mm -hmm. and you think about what astrology was and is is it is it is like um a mapping of the the life as well but like the idea that you know character and the way your mind works is sort of uh what informs your fate to a large degree character yeah defines your fate <laughs> who you are is Our very fate much defines character <laughs> yeah well yeah it's who knows it's yeah. <laughs> it's and, and that's uh very mercurial territory is like holding right? <laughs> holding both those two opposites they're both true you know mm -hmm. i think that's uh because i i also think you couldn't really do astrology without jupiter um 
because Jupiter yes. is that, you know, the meaning maker and the, you know, what does it at all mean? Wisdom, the sort of the collection of wisdom and, and like creating, a, fitting a narrative into a context. Yeah. And I think our approach to astrology in modern times is a lot more jovial than it used to be because mm. I think Mercury being completely neutral, it has now like, yeah, your father's going to die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think that Jupiter with that wisdom, like can like find better ways to communicate that and to to really focus on like that empowering, that positivity and how to oh, yeah. like even overcome it. So, yeah. And it's funny that we're in this conversation about triplicity lords too, because if we're thinking about Mercury and the triplicity that they rule, it's the triplicity of air by night, I believe. And uh, Jupiter is the, the participating ruler in the air triplicity. So if we have like a ninth house that is of the airy nature, then Jupiter would be the planet responsible for um, um, astrology and yeah. sciences and divination. So to to even just think about that, like as long as you have, um, uh, what is it? Um, an air sign rising, Jupiter will have some sort of say in the the astrology that that person or that of that thing, you know. I actually like that you brought that up because, um, you know, traditionally it was uh, Mercury and Saturn uh, was what would make uh, aspects between Mercury and Saturn or, you know, configurations, mm -hmm. strong ones. Uh, together, they made as infallible astrologers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the And you just think about the maybe more ancient approach was sort of to define what the life was, what will and will not happen to you. Mm -hmm. uh, well, will you be eaten by dogs or not? Yeah. Or, you know, like it's, <laughs> when will you die? And is this person worth <laughs> yeah. surviving? Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, Jupiter would have that approach of like, well, you know, how can we work with this? You know, what, yeah. what do you need? How do we make the best out of this? How do we um, improve circumstances? Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, how it's definitely how I prefer to approach astrology and how I think it's become more popular and useful, too. And it certainly helps that we have a lot more tools available to help people, I think, in modern times. Right. You know, if you were uh, depressed and uh, missing a, an arm in 800 AD, you're kind of boned because there's not really yeah. a, a lot of support or options available for especially you. if you're not rich maybe yeah. if you're rich you can get away yeah. with it oh yeah totally, <laughs> totally but now there's you know there's a lot we can do and it's also also goes to say if we're talking about jupiter's role in astrology i think it's also the accessibility that we have today like mm -hmm. anyone can get a, an astrology reading it's not yeah that hard um in comparison to like back then <laughs> oh, yeah uh, you could go to jail and die <laughs> yeah i was listening <laughs> yeah. to um to this podcast about uh roman laws uh, surrounding magic back in the day and it's like yeah if you're poor magic is not a thing that you can do but if you're rich <laughs> oh yeah we will will not kill you it's all good do your magic it's fine uh so like to see that inclusivity um come in today i guess that that jupiter's role is bringing that inclusivity and maybe saturn's role is bringing the reality um yeah okay yeah and the 
think precision too. Like Saturn's good at, at weeding out mm-hmm. uh, anything really, but ideally, you know, the stuff that doesn't serve the the bullshit or yeah. um, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is, is focusing in on what actually is necessary or what needs to be delivered, what needs to be said and what doesn't need to be said. Mm-hmm. And uh, even thinking about Saturn in the traditional sort of maybe negative context of the, a lot of astrology might have had um, mm. has a great application now is in deciding like what to tell someone and what not to tell someone, you know, yeah. or, or even like how to deliver it. I feel like so mm-hmm. much of a, a good reading too is like what you don't say <laughs> to the person. <laughs> it's like uh, you can look at maybe a placement and see, you know, five different things, uh, a bunch of different possibilities, but then you know, sort of weeding things out and focusing in on like the reality of a person's life right. uh, and what is the most likely context for this, uh, mm-hmm. for the manifestation of that given placement to exist in, but also like what's going to be relevant to the person and, you know, what do they ask for? What, you know, what did, uh, what did they mm-hmm. come in for? And sort of weeding things out instead of just going mm-hmm. everything at them. Yeah. Um, and I think Saturn too, if we're thinking about how Saturn would do astrology, it's that like sense of, if you don't want to know, don't ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Saturn would definitely be uh, a little bit more of that. Um, like the job, my job <laughs> is to like give you what you asked for. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, yeah. And I did that. It, whether yeah. you're pleased with that Sorry. or not, yeah. that's not my problem. Um, and it's funny to think that if we're, still jumping around the triplicities that would be Saturn would be the participating uh, Lord of the fire triplicity. So the fire, Mm. the the astrology of fire signs would be the more direct and it's not, not so uh, far-fetched to think about how a fire sign might just, just say it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you get, but you'd also get Jupiter too, which is kind of an interesting. uh, Is it participating Lord for fire? He would be, Jupiter would be the cooperating. So like whatever the opposite sect depends on the sect. Um, the, it's, by all, it's, right? it's like the, the third triplicity ruler. So the one that stays the same regardless of sect. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And that for fire would be Saturn. During the day, right? Day, Saturn, night. Saturn by day. Is it Saturn, Saturn by day and Jupiter by night? For fire for signs? For fire, it's sun by day, Jupiter by night, and then Jupiter by night Saturn, and Saturn cooperating. cooperating. That's right. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I just end up sort of... I... Forgetting the luminaries, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I, I, I used to do that a lot, yeah. too, because there are so many like things where the luminaries are just like, oh, they just rule everything. We won't give them these. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I just tend to... Eat. I, I don't overemphasize. I overemphasize. I probably underemphasize triplicity uh, quite a bit. Or oh, I, right. I tend to look at it as kind of like, well, okay, so they all sort of have, they all kind of have a, a relationship with these signs mm-hmm. and, and have sort of impact to have. But uh, that is like triplicity a fiend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> triplicity will drive me nuts because there's like an imbalance with it that sort of leads me into this sort of feedback loop. Of thinking about it and it's like for my brain i have to sort of i have to look for the a simple sort of mm, softening kind of solution mm-hmm. to it yeah but that's almost an aside uh 
It's probably worth noting, though, that for Cancer rising, which is the rising sign of the cosmos, Jupiter does rule the the ninth house, mm-hmm. but it's also the fall of Mercury. It's uh, also the fall of Mercury. Which is interesting to me because there, uh, there almost seems to be like a symbolism there, like something in my mind that sort of suggests like there is uh, there are limits to like how how much we're supposed to know maybe about what mm-hmm. the fates uh, have in store. It's almost like the, the deeper you go into it, the more you try to, to try to reach too far into um, the meaning of everything you yeah. will get lost. And, and there are things that cannot be explained or cannot be yeah. said or told. Yeah. And maybe Mercury and Pisces is very good at that. And I like a tapping mm-hmm. and understanding those places, but not everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's like going to a country where you don't speak the language. <laughs> oh, yeah. And trying to like explain to everybody how uh, you need water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Understanding something and communicating it to another person, having a thought and translating it to something two that can things. be conveyed to someone else are two very different things. <laughs> yeah. It's the the struggle. That's why. And one one of the cool things to like, I don't know if this is this is what we're doing now, but going by triplicity lords, then the moon would be the cooperating triplicity ruler of water. Mm. So that would be the the astrology planet for the water risings, uh, which is very interesting. Yeah, and well, that definitely checks on my own chart as an astrologer myself. Um, have the moon and Mercury rising and. Uh, astrology is of course a big topic in my life <laughs> yeah uh even just the sense of the uh, lunar astrology and what kind of astrology does the moon do and i think it's a little bit of that jupiter of like that caring and sort of inclusive and nurturing but i think that the moon again can be a little bit of both um, yeah it might even go into that saturnian space where she does say what needs to be said. Um, she can be a little bit of that like dark mother sort of mm-hmm. energy, but also with like the the soothing touch right after. And this is a thing that I always try to do in in my readings. I I, um, I always try to like really focus on um, how can I say what it is that needs to be said and that person can understand it, but also giving like sort of, ways to feel comfortable through that whole thing and i think that yeah like lunar astrology is astrology that focuses on on comfort um oh yeah 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 and um i was thinking of the, the high priestess in tarot yeah right? mm-hmm. which uh i believe let's get the stuff wrong but the, the is the third card uh in the tarot in the major i think it is yeah i could be wrong on that but uh, i i should know by now um but there being kind of a third house dimension um yeah to astrology or, or divination can be found sort of in the third house oh and- yes oh and i'm so glad mm-hmm. you mentioned that because also um um like ritualistic practices and yeah. worshiping and devotional mm-hmm. practice uh which is also a big part of my astrology <laughs> oh yeah when I, I guess i think of when i think of the astrology that the moon would do sort of on its own uh i almost think of that more necessarily astrology but astrology like but uh, like intuitive astrology uh or like you know cutting open a a chicken 
laying its guts out on the table and mm-hmm. doing divination from that almost uh like an in, right. intu- intuiting from it like mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily with like the precision of the of mercury right and yes. going through mm-hmm. all the techniques and steps but like sort of like uh, what do i get from this i get this feeling and from this feeling yeah i derive this meaning and Ooh, you know like, i like that yeah like uh, <laughs> like tarot honestly ends up being yeah. more of like a lunar kind of divination where you're you're putting like the pieces astrodice. together yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. astrodice yeah i actually just got a set of astrodice sure oh nice fucking awesome um yeah i, I love that and i like you know being cancer risings there's always like a layer of that uh that you end up having to do with astrology i think mm-hmm. like you can technique the hell out of a chart uh but you have to kind of go to that intuitive um that moon place that lunar sphere where it's like you let stuff just sort of gel and Mm -hmm. find the feeling of things and you know seeing where that leads you like there's an emotional component you know i i I get a lot of feelings from charts and i i feel like i end up reading that as much Mm -hmm. as i read the technique I'm applying. Yeah. And I think too, with um, what they usually say about the moon, how she can like hang out with the Kings and hang out with the, the, the mm-hmm. plebs and the people. Oh, yeah. I think that that's also another part of uh, like lunar astrologies that um, knowing how to speak with the person that's in front of you, like, Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. not um, being too tied to your own sort of style or really, like willing to bend and morph it and sh- and reshape yourself to whatever it is that the person in front of you needs. Um, and I think that that's really yeah. good at that. Yeah. I, I get jealous of Capricorn sometimes because uh, I know that's, <laughs> that can be like a Leo quality too. Like they are just who they are all the time, but mm-hmm. like Capricorn will have almost like a, like really Capricorn heavy I people. I born I know old a lot. and I will die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what you get is what you get. You came to me and you came to me to get what I give you. Uh, wow. Oh, that's funny. I feel like my, my cancerian self is, you know, like I'm just adapting to, to the circumstances other people bring me and I'm (laughs) like, Oh, should I be doing that? But there's value there, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, is there, uh, is Venus not the participating triplicity Lord of any of the triplicities? So I was, I said in the beginning that it was only Mercury. Um, but I'm thinking that maybe Venus Um, also... Moon's participating in water. Uh, she could be participating in Earth, but I'm. Oh no! Actually, it's just uh, in Earth. The participating ruler is Mars. Hmm. So Venus and Mercury are the two planets that cannot be tied to like an individual's uh, sense of astrology. Ninth house, ninth house by this Al Andazagar. Andazagar. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> triplicity rulers of the Hesses, uh, mm. um, which is very interesting because when I was thinking, when I first read the question and I was thinking about the two planets that I definitely, definitely feel like are connected to astrology, Venus is also pretty high mm. up there for me. Um, and especially that sense of like priesthood, mm. like the, the astrology of priests. And I even think of, um, talismanic magic and doing like doing astrology that is very like crafty you're creating something um even thinking about remediation and healing i think those are all more um venusian than mercurial at times even 
even though we can easily see that in the the Virgo side of Mercury, I think that Venus can bring the like sensual or yeah, sensual sensorial experience of being in that ritual space and bringing like a new and being the the priest or the priestess that that facilitates the birth of a spirit into an incarnate form. And I think that that's a very Venusian sort of, um, even thinking about the fifth house and how it's the joy of Venus and um, you find uh, mediators and and those sorts of people there um, to be the, the mediator between men and, well, not men, because uh, we're past that, people yeah. and God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, that to me seems like much more Venusian uh, in that like facilitating role. Uh, even thinking about like the way that we do astrology these days, like the one-on-one sort of like Libra, um, like I'm here to like not make a decision for you, but help you make a decision almost. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's think of me. I got five thoughts right now. All right. First one. <laughs> um, Let's go. I was thinking with Saturn is, uh, right. You get that sort of harsh boundary keeper. Like, like you were saying earlier, like don't ask unless you want to know there's like an mm-hmm. imposing quality that astrology can have where it kind of looks like y- you almost want to uh, observe caution about what, um, what you open the door to Saturn being like, what, <sighs> Uh, separates the, uh, the light from the darkness. Um, but Venus has that quality of being gatekeeper too, but like a, like a finding the right gate for you sort of yes. <laughs> in a way, mm-hmm. like harmonizing you with the right gate, finding mm-hmm. the right fit. Um, yeah. It's a much more pleasant and accommodating kind of gatekeeper. But uh, I know I'm being surprised um, reading a lot of ancient astrology and finding that Venus got so heavily associated with war. Well, with war, that's a whole, that's, that is the thing, but a priest, <laughs> um, oh, right, right, and right. ritual and stuff. I was like, oh, really? But then you think about it and, uh, it makes a ton of sense, especially cause I always think of, um, the, like the Anglican church or the Catholic church, the, mm-hmm. like they have different robes for different masses. And like, there's this whole visual aesthetic, uh, appeal to the ceremony mm-hmm. that is extremely Venusian and it's meant to cultivate yeah. c- cultivate certain feelings you know in everyone and sort of unite and create a community around it um, which you know Venus exalts in Pisces so I think I always think of Pisces for that sort of um, it's like the I'm... marriage with God <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like uh, yeah the like you said I don't think you used the word gatekeeper but um that facilitating the connection between Mm -hmm. God and and men, right. And women, um, humans, and that, um, being a big component of what astrology does it, but then you have, uh, traditional, like ancient astrologers were much more often scientists or mathematicians. They had to be in order to do astrology. Like you had to be really fucking good at math, uh, to do it. And so there's an inherently more scientific approach, I think, to astrology from that perspective. But having computers, especially having technology, it's it's almost like there is so much more room for Venus um, mm-hmm. in astrology now than maybe there was before. And I think it always had a role in it. But maybe that could be 
sometimes I have to like trudge through ancient texts because they're so like clinical and um, sometimes not always uh, clinical and like kind of just heavy and like, you know, make you feel good hearing about, you know, whose babies are going to die. Eating. And yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. People um, getting eaten by dogs and beasts and yeah. all sorts of other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I find uh, it hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is funny. Yeah. Uh, but that's why you need like Venus sort of to like soften it and even like find yeah. the humor in it. Um, Mm-hmm. But I think the last thing I was going to say is the the weird laughter loving queen. That's right. That's the, <laughs> the hymn. Um, the moon loves horses too. By the way, I was going to ask you about that. It's totally unrelated. Yeah. Uh, that might have actually came up for Venus too. But I was trying to think about why Venus or why the moon would love the, horses. It comes up in the 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 sun one, the Venus one, and the moon one. I think. And I think the lover horses is a reference to the sun because horses yeah. are related to the sun um mm. yeah side just side note. It's, yeah that's <laughs> another uh i was gonna say though the um the weird sort of overlap there can be with venus and mercury which is kind of yeah. surprising since venus they falls. hate each other <laughs> they sh- should hate each other and yet they do so many of the same things they just do it in a very different way but that's probably why they hate each other <laughs> yeah i know it's not how you do it yeah <laughs> can you make it pretty please yeah no exactly. we need no. it to work yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like uh what is it the the old tale of a designer and an architect <laughs> talking ah, to each yeah. other Ooh, um, yeah that's a i haven't heard that one but that that's a perfect analogy oh, really? oh that's art's cool uh, <laughs> <laughs> jokes for you yeah. <laughs> um but have we gone through all of the the planets not well, mars the only one we have in is mars and yeah, that's a hard one to find an obvious role for. I find horary not just because of the book, The Martial Art of Horary, I think it's called. But I find that horary mm. is actually very martial. Um, the Martial Art of Horary? Yeah, I think that's what the book is called. Um, mm. um, Patrick Watson recommended it to me. It's a great book. Huh. Um, it's something along those lines. I think I'm getting the title a little wrong, but... I do find that horary is a very martial sort of approach to astrology. Yeah. Really cutting through time. It's like this time here matters. <laughs> it's like, um, and there is a little bit of that directness uh, that Saturn has too. But if we're thinking about Saturn as slow increments of time and like really looking at the broadscape of, um, uh, of a nativity and like, knowing like is this person gonna be like really going back to ancient times like is this person gonna be eminent or not is it even worth trying to like um make sure they survive or do we just let them die Uh, yeah (laughs) these sorts of things um but then mars and those are like bigger questions Mm -hmm. whereas mars with horary i guess it would be those like very very in the moment small i need to make a decision right now um and even there's that the sense of like the what is the critical question is this critical enough is this important enough because yeah. i need to know like right the second um i think that would be the mars uh of astrology like the urgency of uh 
of moments like horary and also I guess inceptions and the idea of like casting charts for when you take an action and seeing where that goes. Yeah. Well, like the just the outcome orientation of like horror in particular. It's like, yeah, you know, I want to know the answer to this question. What is the, mm-hmm. you know, that's very Mars is just, just the facts. Give me what I need. Yeah. I don't want anything else. I don't want any of the superfluous. Yes. Bullshit. I just want the answer to the question. Give it to me. Will I win the war? Or die. Or no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is interesting that, uh, how Mars will show up at, like in the Chaldean order. Um, starting like from Aries, right? You like with the Deccans, uh, you get oh, a right, Mars right. Deccan and then it ends with a Mars Deccan. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I was thinking about a lot because I've been working on uh, this lengthy thing about Mars and it's turning into specifically about Mars and exaltation and fall, but uh, how much Mars is relevant to the beginning of things as well as the end. Uh, mm. Even think like, the inception of, of a person um, at their birth so much as like their con their conception uh, mm-hmm. is a competition. It's, you know, yeah. one sperm against, you know, millions of other sperm all racing towards the egg. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the one that gets there is the one that fertilizes and the rest die. Mm-hmm. I guess in occasions you get multiple um, yeah. implantations, but uh, there being that, you know, struggle and strife and uh, competitive component and so much um, astrology is sort of measuring, you know, what this against that, you know, uh, if depending on the question, like, is the seventh house better situated than the first house? You know, that will tell you who's going to, you know, win this. That's the, there's definitely a martial component to astrology and it, that sort of... Um, with like a delineation there's a you know you're you're cutting out a bunch of potentialities you're yeah measuring things against other things yeah and i think too about um how sometimes i forget i want to cite this because it might not represent the entire uh, vedic tradition but mm. i think it was dr dr shankar adawal um mm. so right. yeah um, sounds familiar yeah, he, he wrote, uh, well, they wrote, I don't know um, their gender, um, but um, they wrote a, the Encycl- Encyclopedia of Vedic Astrology, and there's uh, many different books in that en- encyclopedia, but it's in the remediation one, I think, that they mention something about Mars being related to math, um, mm. and just like the the scru- scrutiny that math requires is very martial. Um and I think about that with horary too, and casting lots, um, especially in like the like medieval tradition, how like lots were such a, a big part of uh, horary practices and and things like that, and how it requires that math yeah. and that level of scrutiny, and like who is really the planet responsible here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sort of thing, yeah. like in a very like sort of like managerial, like the general is trying to find the culprit <laughs> who is not working hard enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and math uh, is very decisive. Like the yeah. questions that you answer are very definitively what they are and to the exclusion of everything of else. Mm-hmm. Like you literally can only have one answer and well, most mathematical equations i guess you could get into 
math that I don't know how to do that has uh, letters yeah. in it. And, and uh, <laughs> my, my fiance is on those all day. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this makes no sense. I how do, you do math without numbers. And <laughs> it, it see, but I always think of Mercury as being tied to math because it's math is inherently yeah. a language. But I mean, mm-hmm. you're always looking at at the end of like you you with any one topic or subject, like you are going to have more than one planet involved in it, or you're going to have All every planet <laughs> involved in it, but just with different, different yeah, degrees, approaches. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But you get like usually one that you can sort of put in the lead. Um, just increasingly how I think of like signs, even. Uh, yeah. I was working on a not even. It's a kind of a dignity system. I knew we were talking about that before the show a little bit. How mm. you're working on one. Um, but I was like trying to rank each planet uh, in each sign, like assuming that every planet has some kind of job in a mm-hmm. sign. But like which one, um, you know, what's the least suited to a sign? What's the most suited? Yeah. And there being sort of like an order to some degree. Uh yeah, because, I mean, uh, you can apply basically every planet to most things. Um, hmm. And some of those things will, some of those planets will be better at, at the given job than others. Yeah. But you can sort of work all of them into it, in theory. Um, yeah, that's why I think it was important for us to walk through all of the planets and well, uh, and to see yeah. how all of them relate to astrology. Because they all do, but Mercury is the astrology planet. i would put that's where I, yeah uh mercury <laughs> is, is lead is the manager of astrology yeah uh, <laughs> and yeah. all the other planets are brings it uh, all together yeah they're they're helping out they're they're the workers uh that reminds me though we've, we've still got to mention the outer planets because uh they true. are very popular as rulers of astrology um yes i've heard and all of them in different all, contexts. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they all have like a very like uh uh, a very extensive history of being linked to astrology. Yeah. And I think that, and I don't know how I feel about that, because I think that a lot of it comes from people who liked the planet and started making that their focal point um, in yeah. their astrology. And I think that that just shows that this is the kind of astrology that that planet does, but that doesn't mean that that planet rules astrology. Um, yeah. And I think it's a, a similar thing with like Uranus uh, maybe is similar to how Saturn and Mercury would do astrology in that very like direct sort of clinical way. But with Uranus, there can be the like sort of innovative mind and yeah. the, the future and a lot of like the modern astrology that we see, like um, what's his name? I always forget see david cochrane uh with his vibrational astrology is very mm. uranian type of astrology and um all of those sort of uh, like um how astrology goes through iterations of trying to become more and more scientific and they will pull apart uh like old uh, pieces of astrology to create something new i think that that's the maybe the role of uranus in astrology as also like an outer planet and ruling like bigger bigger chunks of time and history um it can be more of that like oh we need to to shake things up a little bit so we can come up with new techniques like oh why not bring asteroids into the mix why not bring uh midpoints why not bring this yeah bring that um i think that that could be uranus what do you think yeah uh 
I'm sort of regretting because actually Uranian astrology is probably one of the schools I know the least about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I intended to do some research before recording this, but I didn't do that. But I'm thinking about in terms of... uh, I think Uranian astrology is vibrational astrology. Yeah, Yeah. it it might be. I almost don't want to speak to it too much because I will most likely be wrong. (laughs) But I was thinking about it in terms of how... um, even uh, like, while I would still kind of put technology, at least for most purposes, in kind of the sphere of Mercury to a large degree, mm-hmm. those like rapid sort of sudden advances, you know, there's definitely uh, Uranus um, having a, a, a strong relationship to that. And the way that technology has sort of, uh, like I said before, sort of liberated, um, not even liberated, I guess want to use that word because you always want to use it with Uranus, but uh, how, mm. because of technology, you know, poets and artists are able to do astrology as opposed to just scientists. Yes. Um, also, astrologers are kind of weirdos uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of mainstream society, which there's mm-hmm. definitely that uh, Uranus component. Um, but also, astrology readings can have a very Uranus kind of effect where they can uh evoke sudden changes uh in a person or sudden rapid insights Mm -hmm. uh even shift your direction in life yeah i know when i got uh i think my first like really amazing astrology reading was like like wow i Mm -hmm. i must learn more and it definitely did end up uh changing my trajectory uh (laughs) in a big way but yeah, I yeah, I think I that, became an astrologer under a Uranus transit too. <laughs> Not thinking about that. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of mine. I don't know. Uranus transits are so long; it's <laughs> it's hard for me to mm-hmm. uh, find. Actually, I don't know if I paid attention to, to Uranus at the time, but um, where was I going with it? I lost my my train of thought. I know I'm already getting tired too. Um. You've infected me. You're yawned. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. And then um, Neptune, I've heard get yes. associated with astrology, maybe less often. Um, I feel like the... No, no, no. I, I feel like I keep cutting you off. You go first. Oh, no. Um, I was going to say, like, yeah, I guess astrology can sort of have that that mystical Neptunian quality and sort of dissolve the boundary between you know what uh what we think we should be able to see and and have Mm -hmm. connection with then and you know what's beyond but it can also it can get rather muddied and confusing too uh especially when when you're not using mercury and saturn enough maybe in your astrology you can get Mm -hmm. a a, very lost (laughs) yeah sure and you can get some pretty wild wonky stuff um so yeah. I, I would say Neptune has a, a role to play in astrology. And while I, um, for me, when I, it registered to me that astrology like worked, it was um, like a revelation or like, it was like, wow. it was, it was like grabbing something out of the ether and like having it to hold. Like I, I got to like, yeah. I got a souvenir from, from the spirit realm or something like mm-hmm. a, it's like this actually works that means that there's something more to reality than what we can see and taste and touch and that right 
was game-changing for me. But I almost want to say that the way that Neptune can be problematic for Mercury, uh, it can be um, problematic for astrology sometimes, where where yeah. you when you grab too much of everything and just sort of, you know, you'll get astrologers who it just sounds like they're uh, using maybe a planet or transit to just talk about whatever they want to talk about, um, which we can all do to some degree, I guess, like, you know, yeah, be a facilitator for a lot of different conversations, but when you're not really applying, um, mm-hmm. actual techniques or actual, you know, not having respect to maybe the lineage of it, uh, when yeah. you're inventing your own stuff. Yeah. Cause I think when you, like earlier when we were talking about like moon astrology and mm-hmm. we talked about intuitive astrology, that's the kind of astrology that I would really attribute to Neptune as well. Yeah. Um, and I guess now we can see how Neptune and the moon get mm-hmm. some mix-ups every now and then because it can be, it's one, it's that one modality of astrology where you can't know if the practitioner is actually good until you <laughs> yeah. have a reading. It's like oh, yeah. that, that Neptune mystery. Like, can they tap into the mystery or can they not tap into the mystery? Do they need to know or do they not need to know? Yeah. Because I know some crazy accurate intuitive astrologers who know barely any uh, theory, especially like traditional astrology theory. Um, and they're still great. And they're still mm. somehow can tap into that. Uh, who knows how? Neptune does, <laughs> but that's one of the risks of, of Neptune. It's like not knowing you, you like really can't know until you get here. And then when you get here, you will get more confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe you'll come out with an answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, I don't know. There's 20 cause. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, I, I think I was cutting you off that time. Oh no, it's because I, I was gonna say that uh, we talked about earlier. I don't know if if we talked about this while we were recording or not, but I'm working on that uh, um, uh, proposed um, dignity system for the outer planets mm. for a talk that I'm giving for Kazimicon uh, coming soon. And um, Neptune was one of the planets that I was like, this makes so much sense because basically. I'll give a brief if that's fine. I'm not, I yeah. promise I'm not trying to pitch my own ideas. You're um, allowed to. <laughs> but it really, <laughs> it really does go with this. Because uh, um, basically what I'm suggesting is the, the, the worship scheme. Um, it's like thinking of the outer planets as the gods of the gods and how, and which god prays to which god. Mm. And what I largely base it off of the Thema Mundi. And of course, if we follow the Thema Mundi, then we leave Neptune in Pisces, uh, exactly where um, modern people think. But the way that I'm doing it is that I'm also not just looking into Pisces, but to Jupiter, as in like Jupiter prays to Neptune. That's uh, Jupiter's God sort of thing. Mm. And, and to then think of what the, like, I guess, because there's always the opposition. So like, what would the detriment or the fall of this worship be like? And then you get to Mercury. And I was thinking like Mercury curses <laughs> Neptune. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And like this can really illustrate why that would be the case because Neptune makes no sense. And <laughs> for Mercury, a planet that's supposed to make sense of things to um, interact with it. And I guess to see how 
Mercury as the ruler of astrology um, and trying to think of how Neptune, Neptune astrology would be like, it would be, you'd think that it would be very challenging um, astrology because it's that kind of astrology that you can never really know. It's, it can be so poetic and so evocative, but it really, like the words themselves don't really matter. It's more so about that, that moment and being in that like mystical space where when you come back, you can't even explain what your experience was because you just can't. And I think that, that that's a very good way to explain why this sort of like tension exists between Mercury and Neptune. Yeah. Well, and, and you get that often actually with like the opposite planet in any sort of relationship that they, they do actually sort of play this sort of joint role on maybe many important things yeah um i was just thinking about how a lot of my introduction to divination and astrology even was through like tarot readers and psychics even who were pulling um stuff knowledge from somewhere that i couldn't see uh somewhere that was yeah you know very um that you could not point to as like a, a source even mm-hmm. uh and i think for a lot of the more intuitive astrologers that I know, there is a degree of where you're looking at the chart, but there's a degree to which it's just like what comes in. Um, yeah. Like the chart sort of helps you set the the parameters, maybe gives you like a, a portal, you know, yeah, into like the person. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a level of trust that I think that mm-hmm. type of astrologer has to like, oh, well, the answers will just sort of come oh, once for sure. the portal's opened, which I don't mm-hmm. quite have. I am a little more. Not at all. <laughs> no, I I mean, that will inevitably happen during a consultation, but I'm yeah. to Mercury and Saturn before <laughs> I want to know, like I want to, you know, know as much as I can mm-hmm. beforehand or rely on techniques and things that I can um, cite for where I'm getting a piece of information from. Uh, but there's... A, you know, undeniably like a Neptunian component. Um, and even just like a lot of the, like we didn't get to be there for like how astrology was evolved and how people came up with like the whole system. Like at some point it had to be somebody doing what we'd probably call now just like channeling stuff. Like yeah. Sabian symbols, uh, which I don't particularly use, but was just, you know, uh, who was it? I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Ooh. Uh, who basically just channeled the images from each degree. Um, Daniel and, Jamario? Daniel uh, Jamario? I think that might sounds be. about right. Yeah, it could be right. Yeah. I don't know. but uh, Somebody did. Somebody did it. <laughs> it was a group of people, I yeah. believe, actually. But then even when you're like studying the Deccans, too, like you, they're describing images for all the Deccans. Mm-hmm. And what are they doing other than like, they're not seeing the image in the sky. They didn't like find it in some tablet buried yeah. in the ground somewhere. Like they conjured it um, mm-hmm. through connecting with, you know, the symbols and the meanings of, of that slice of the sky, mm-hmm. uh, what it meant to them and the sort of uh, uh, collection of all those different images or all those different, maybe channelings and into, into it, into it, Meditations. Can't get yeah. the word for that. <laughs> uh, the stuff that we just sort of pulled out of the sky um, mm-hmm. and sort of forged into uh, a kind of science uh, is it, there's undeniably that Neptunian component that, you know, 
some at some point somebody has to, to reach into the mist and pull something out and make some sense out of it. Right. And I think, yeah, I guess that's that's got to be the Neptune component. Um, yeah. I don't think any other planet really does that. Yeah. That's really one of the things that I'm like, that's what we need Neptune for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no uh, one else can do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but Pluto then, I then guess. Pluto, which... Pluto for me is like the most easy. Like evolutionary astrology is just mm-hmm. so focused on Pluto that it's like... Yeah that's pluto's astrology <laughs> yeah yeah and really that sort of like um mental alchemy sort of effort uh to transform and transmute um and recycle um i guess uh moments in life and um really change and go through that like go through the depths and come back alive and explore yeah. the depths even and uncover things um and these are like very, th- they're things of the heart. They're not things of, um, um, of matter really. So, yeah. 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 And, uh, Pluto, right. Like it is, um, I know that evolutionary astrologers sort of, they treat it as kind of that is almost like a, the way the Vedic astrology will use the moon is sort of like a secondary ascendant. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard an evolutionary astrologer say that about Pluto, but they are treating it kind of that way in the sense that yeah. it's like the a focal point from which you read the rest of the chart. Mm-hmm. And sort of brings me back to that theme of like what you're trying to get out of the astrology that you're doing. I mean, is going to probably inform what focus on. Yeah, what you focus on, what kind of planet you're using, um, or the energy that you're bringing to a reading. But there is mm-hmm. also that theme around Pluto of being the... Uh, what used to be maybe Saturn's role um, to some degree, but that sort of to corrupt you know, and limit. <laughs> well, if you think of it as like the uh, in the sort of ancient, ugh, geez, ancient cosmology, you had um, the soul sort of descending from the heavens, from oh, the cosmos, right, right, right. and entering into the solar sphere, uh, and Pluto being maybe the first body that you, in maybe a modern scheme, uh, would enter through. And, and that's kind of weird, though, because like now they keep adding more and more planets because there's like yeah. Haumea, Makemake, oh, and yeah, Eris and all of those. And I'm like, which one is the first stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it sort of shows up with like Plutonian themes and stuff. And I, obviously we have to draw a, lot, a boundary somewhere. And I guess I'm more mm. open to the idea that that can change. Um, yeah. You know, the the first stop that the soul makes. Yeah. Maybe the, the stole, soul can make multiple stops or or that can evolve and that yeah, the being, process can get longer i guess yeah yeah uh but even just like pluto and like the idea of hades and like the underworld and going back to the place from which you came you know when you, when you die you go to the underworld right mm-hmm. uh the afterlife which is presumably yeah. where you come from so but even in uh, like um what is it in Kabbalah studies? There's the if you're thinking about Chaldean order and things like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, there is dot like that that space where um, it's emptiness and it's mm-hmm. the void. And I think that all in my theories, all the outer planets belong to that sort of space. Ah, and it's yeah. not like it's not like that space wasn't 
accounted for by the ancients like the, the soul does come from that nothing uh yeah it just so happens that that nothing is actually a lot more full than we anticipated yeah uh, there's a lot more <laughs> things in there <laughs> yeah exactly yeah is it nothing or is it uh a bunch of shit that we don't that isn't See. doesn't belong to our sphere to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. um but even just maybe thinking about it in those terms of uh, the evolutionary component of Pluto and how it's a way that I tend to look at the outer planets more and more as sort of uh, altering the sign um, and maybe even like changing it in a way, changing the significations of that sign, or at least our experience of them in a way that could be, I mean, almost intuitively more permanent. Uh, Not that like Pluto going through Capricorn um, changes fundamentally what Capricorn represents, but like it kind of has to change our relationship with Capricorn, right. um, at least for a generation or several generations, uh, while people who lived that transit are still alive, uh, which is inherently going to have like an impact uh, down the line, which is maybe more of a digression on Pluto than I, I intended. But it, um, no, but I think that if we're speaking of astrology and Pluto's role in astrology, mm-hmm. I think it, it is like the fact that astrology does transcend these sort of times and these really long, um, um, yeah, these really long eras. And yeah, I, like if we're thinking about how astrology also has the the power to transform fate even um Mm -hmm. like does knowing your fate uh does it allow for that mental alchemy to actually happen yeah yeah. and i feel like those are very like plutonic um or plutonian um Mm -hmm. questions like uh, can i can i actually recycle this or is this really just trash (laughs) yeah um if i introduce this mutation into the organism you know will it yeah will it turn inside out and die or will it uh yeah similar to like with uranus and like adding in the new things and the asteroids and all of that and i think pluto also adds in the new but it asks a question that uranus might not uh that is what it is that we still get to keep from the previous one uranus is just like ah fuck this yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but maybe pluto is like uh what 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 of this still belongs here what um can we take forward because i think yeah. that if we're thinking from uh, of pluto and especially in evolutionary sense it's that sense of like evolution what is what is the the skill that actually helped me get here and we probably will continue to like make me evolve um and what are those skills that, that do not um like it's like the natural selection process, I guess. Pluto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I love that actually. Natural selection, I, because that is such a component of evolution, and I, there's so many themes that come up around Pluto that point to evolution and the way that evolution mm-hmm. works, and that like you sort of, uh, isolate maybe. Um, it's not exactly it, but like, you introduce a mutation. And you yeah. see if it works. Uh, fuck things up. Yeah, yeah. You fuck it up, and then just kind of see see what happens. And it's almost like a there's an indifference almost to Pluto, but yeah. there's like a purposefulness, like where it is intended to reach a goal, um, a goal of what? Who knows? But a goal yeah. of, of evolving. Um, yeah. What survives yeah. the corruption? Like that's that's the good thing. Yeah. That's the thing we'll keep. <laughs> yeah. 
or you have to take something to an extreme um, to highlight what is and is not useful uh, about something, mm-hmm. um, which I often find that I use that mode of thinking uh, in astrology a lot is like, and in, in it's even the way that it's represented um, in a lot of ancient texts, like, you know, getting eaten by dogs, like how many people with the ruler of the the 12th and the first are going to be eaten by dogs. Um, probably not most of them, but yeah. there's something about that uh, that is maybe an extreme version of what it does represent and helps you understand what it does mean, but you have to kind of draw it to its mm-hmm. most extreme incarnation in order to differentiate it from other things. Yeah, um, That's why sometimes I wonder if Pluto is not more of a friend to Mercury than maybe Uranus uh, Pluto Mercury to me seem to have more in common in a lot of ways in that like they both have the something to do with bodiness. drawing distinction hmm? mm-hmm. yeah the double bodiedness of it all yeah I think yeah we, we talked about this before yeah it is a uh, double body planet <laughs> I, yeah I was uh, oh uh, getting off track um yeah, they're, they're being uh, something to drawing distinctions with, with yeah. Pluto and doing it in a way that is sort of messed up and painful and too much sometimes, but that can I sometimes lead you to the as, most clarity. I think of it as the sun too, um, mm. like Pluto's relationship to the sun. And mm. again, I'm going to bring in my my talk <laughs> just because oh, I've yeah. been like really deep in it. Talk about but it. Yeah. That's why you're if here. We, if we continue with that whole like Fema Mundi scheme, then Pluto, of course, goes to Aries, not Scorpio. And mm-hmm. then if we're thinking about that, like who prays to Pluto, then it could be Mars and the sun because they're, those are the two planets uh, that have like really strong dignity in Aries. Yeah. And I really think about like spring and that like the, the, the drive that everything in life has to go to survive spring because spring is, yes, it is the the coming of new life, but it's also a very like aggressive process and it's very competitive. It's like who gets to survive the winter? It's a testing ground. (laughs) Yeah. So, and to see the sun and thinking about like that with the sun too, and the whole uh, combustion process and having planets like, disappear and quote unquote die temporarily and then come off of Mm -hmm. that process like reborn from the rays of the sun like um like a new shiny sword sort of thing just coming off of the the fire and i think that's um um that's a very pluto thing too like that whole sort of like the phoenix sort of story um is very interesting yeah so well and what is a in reality, our biggest source of radiation, like at the end of the day, it's the sun. It's the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Pluto is like a artificial, like, you know, the fusion and the fission and the, mm-hmm. the ways we maybe try to replicate the power of the sun. But uh, the sun actually does has a, a Pluto in its core, if you will, even though mm-hmm. I don't know. That it's, uh... And even historically, <laughs> too, if we think about Pluto, the god uh, was, was linked to gold and and precious things and yeah. everything that's below the ground and wealth um pretty which are all too, very right? jovial oh not jovial uh solar uh words mm-hmm. um, yeah well, and that's what maybe leads me back to mercury too a little bit with pluto is that it yeah. it has this relationship with all of the planets that 
makes it hard for me to like decide like, oh, which one does it pair best with? Or um, yeah, because it seems to draw something out of all of them mm. in, in its own way, something intense and extreme that can kind of uh, isolate the planet and set it apart from others. Um, but I can't like link it to only being Mars-like or only being yeah. like one specifically. And I, th- I like that you bring the, the sun Mercury thing too, because like Mercury is tidally locked to the sun. Mm-hmm. Like Pluto's moon, Charon is also tidally locked to Pluto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it really is like that sort of like, um, like relationship. I think that Pluto above all is the planet of relationship and oh, like one of the planets of relationship. It's really speaks. Yeah. Of, the internal versus external uh a world but i think if we're talking about astrology going back getting back on topic <laughs> uh <laughs> is that it can it can also be the astrology of building relationship with yourself and like really getting to know um the depths of who you are um yeah. and i think that level of exploration is very gruesome because you get to face and see a lot of like things that Quite frankly, you probably hate about yourself. Um, and coming to peace with that um, is that sort of like Phoenix moment of the planet going through the Kazemi and coming out or, mm-hmm. or whatever, um, you know? Yeah. Well, there's like a death process yes. to it as well. Like there's a, a dispelling of illusions, even like about yeah. yourself. And often you, you know, learn the most about yourself either through extreme circumstances <coughs> <Sorry. coughs> um, <clears throat> where you're sort of set in contrast to something else, but of, often in relationships too. <coughs> Jeez. Um, in relationships, like, you know, you uh, uh, learn about yourself through what you are not um, or the people show you even elements of yourself that maybe you didn't think were there um, based on like what they see in you or mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh i like most people thought it was really cool when we found that pluto uh, had a heart right and right <laughs> there being that like weird twisted dimension to pluto which is like the lord of the underworld um with a giant you know i don't know what actual color it is but big red pink heart i think it's it. a white heart no it might be like in contrast to yeah. like a kind of reddish like the red yeah uh, outside yeah but it, it the heart of ice. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me it's think a <laughs> yeah. heart of ice. Yeah, because uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, Pluto apparently has uh, ice volcanoes, which oh, yeah. are the coolest things um, mm-hmm. I've ever heard about. Um, I think Ceres also has ice volcanoes, which I, is really cool. I know. Um, I want to know what to do with Ceres and all this because I feel like Ceres should be more relevant and yet I still don't oh, know what gosh. to do with it. I've been, yeah. I've been trying to study it <laughs> and like look at its transits and I don't know. But um, shoot, I have one final thing to add. Oh yeah, I was going to say that it makes me think of um, like old cartoons where you had like the, the big mean bike biker like in Looney Tunes and then you'd see that they have like a tattoo of a, like I love mom or something uh, yes. on their shoulder like that <laughs> like soft gushy side like mm-hmm. all villains ultimately have i just watched the joker recently which is like an older movie um mm-hmm. i think when did that come out 
maybe only a couple Which years joke? ago. The one with uh, the newest one. Yeah, the one with um, Joaquin Phoenix. Speaking yeah. of Phoenixes. Um, I wasn't in love with that movie, but that's besides the point. It wasn't like an objectively <laughs> good movie. I found it interesting just because I, nice. I like the villains side of stories. I like villains. They're they're interesting to me. And I like mm-hmm. when they're explored in more depth and nuance. Cancers and their Capricorn seven taps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> me love you, Saturn. Um, <laughs> I know there's something underneath that. Uh, let me fix you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, hilarious. Um, I say that as a cancer too. I just want everyone uh, <laughs> everyone to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, I think we we made it. We went yeah. through all the planets. And I think we did a mini planets episode probably in the process. Uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's probably a good place to wrap it up because I'm realizing it's yeah we spent and over think, an hour on this wow i think i think we did uh, and i think we also gave people a lot of resources to look at their own chart even yeah you know, look at like that um third participating lord of your ninth house and see which planet that is and see if our description of astrology matches how you experience it or if you have any plant outer planets in your ninth house um see if what we said about the outer planets also um, has something to do with how you do or receive astrology. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd love to to hear what people have to say about this one. Yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, please share your your thoughts. To, like, tell us what's going on with your ninth house and how you um, came into astrology, how you relate to astrology, how you use it. Even mm-hmm. um, you can. Uh, well, you can tweet at either of us, right? I'm yeah. uh, Kyle V Pierce on on Twitter. So I know you're taking a little bit of a Twitter break right now. Yes, I'm on a Mars starvation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I am not allowed to tweet until March of 2023. So if you send me a message, please make it a DM. Otherwise, yeah. I will not answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can DM Joji. Uh, what's your, your Twitter handle? My, it's Astro Boy with uh, an I, uh, Joji, all together. And... Yes. You can also, uh, I forget, and I probably shouldn't, that the, the podcast has a Twitter as well. Uh, and I will see it if you tag the Astrology Hotline in a, in a tweet. But you can also shoot us an email at astrologyhotlinepod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send questions there or just share your random thoughts. I will uh, always be interested in those. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. So shall we call it a day? I think so. On this podcast? What do you got going on right now? Um, well, uh, I have uh, Kazemi Khan coming up soon with my talk on a proposed um, rulership system for the outer planets, like I've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, do I talk about what the talk is about? <laughs> Whatever you want to talk Beyond about. Beyond that. Uh, yeah, so I've just done a lot of thinking about how to um, integrate the, the outer planets and how the ancients might have done it. And that's kind of like my my process through pr- preparing for this talk. It was just like, I know that if the ancients knew about these planets, they would not think they're not doing anything. So oh, yeah. how would they probably, how would they implement that? Um, and that's uh, that's been the, the thought that kind of guided me through it. Um, 
and just trying to understand um, the other planets with a little bit more nuance as opposed to just looking at them by by transit and um, and like just saying like Pluto will do this to every planet. I'm very much interested in like the the relationships between the inner planets and the outer planets and like who gets along with Pluto, who doesn't and those sorts of like um, um, fun explorations and how to tie all of that into uh, the 12 parts and mm. seeing the, the outer planets move to through the 12 parts and using that as a, a way to, to dignify um, them in a way or another. Um, so that's what my, my talk is about. Um, and Sounds beyond, really cool. I, oh, how you. do I how do I um, participate in or how do I get to view yeah, or listen so to to this? Kazinicon, uh, I I believe it's free, um, mm. and you can follow them on Twitter. Give me a second. I I think their handle is just Kazinicon, uh, and if you search Kazinicon, you're probably gonna find it. Oh yeah, their handle is at Kazinicon. Uh, it should be super easy. And the talk is happening October 21st and 22nd. I think I'm on the 22nd um, alongside a whole bunch of cool people. Um, and yeah, beyond that, um, uh, Astrology Hub is working on their reading platform and I'm super involved in the process. Um, we're doing beta tests um, and uh, been getting I've been giving a lot of readings. Unfortunately, I cannot open it uh, up for the world, but soon enough, I, I'm thinking at around um, November, December will be open for the world and mm -hmm. people will be able to book with me through them. Um, it's been a great time. I'd definitely be excited for it. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been up to and playing with AI image generation. <laughs> yeah. Talismanic magic. <laughs> I know. It's a shame that you can't, that you're not on the on the Twitter right now because uh, you shared some of the your beautiful AI generated images. Um, was it yesterday? And yeah, yes, they're amazing. And I wish, uh, yeah, they they should be shared with the world. They will be shared. Um, right now I'm playing with um, like building my own style because uh, you can feed your own artwork to the AI and mm. learn how to make art like you do. Oh wow! So I'm taking that um, this. Mercury, not Mercury, uh, Mars retrograde, as, especially as it rules my fifth house, my 10th house to really like be behind the scenes and find uh, my symbolic language and my style and the aesthetics of how I'm going to be making talismans. But nice. I definitely be excited because there's going to be a lot more for there's going to be some for sale soon because I haven't really done um, commercial talismans yet. And this is a, a big um help in making that a reality so get excited i'm excited i've been waiting for you to start uh commercializing your talisman making because i <laughs> don't have time to learn it yet but i'm now that i'm learning the decans and like getting really deep into them i'm mm -hmm. probably gonna start um experimenting with it a little yeah. bit uh i'll have to pick your mind for advice though i don't want to accidentally make a talisman that will <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the best learning experience, and I say this for you and everybody, is when you fuck up. 
when you yeah, get that yeah. one talisman that ruins everything, you're like, oh, I get it now. I've already had to learn everything that way, though. Can I? Is, is there I don't something think I can so. learn by not fucking up? It would be great uh, if we could. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Always got to be the hard way. Right. Um, all right. Well, what, about you? what are you up to? Uh, I am um, doing just lots of detail work right now, trying to get my nice. site like functioning right. I've been. It's a lot of boring stuff. It's not like the mm-hmm. fun, sexy stuff of astrology, though I am starting to uh, do some writing. Um, should have some horoscopes coming out, uh, weekly nice. horoscopes, which would be nice. I think I'm going to start doing, uh, just because we've been falling a little behind on regular episodes of Astrology Hotline, uh, I'm going to start supplementing with kind of a weekly forecast, uh, probably be shorter episodes. But um, and other than that... Uh, I am offering right now um, until Mars goes retrograde. So that is what Halloween um, offering 20% discount to listeners of the podcast. Nice. Yeah. Until, until Mars goes retrograde. So um, that's coming up soon. Jump in on that. Uh, that's I can't remember the name of the, the promo code the that code? I made for it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I man, have it somewhere, hilarious. but just look in the show notes. Um, you can take that extra step if you want to, to use it. Uh, that will that will be there. And uh, as always, you can book a reading with me at my website, kylepierceastrologer.com. Uh, and if you want to learn how to uh, develop a remedial practice based on your birth chart, I am publishing some articles on that, but you can also get a reading with me and I will... You just say that that's like the focus you want. And I am going to probably teach you a bit about remediating your chart in any reading, but I think taking the proactive approach to readings has really been making me happy lately. I like giving yeah. people stuff that they can do. Homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Homework. <laughs> and I've been getting great feedback on it, getting good results. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so don't uh, let your, your shitty Mars placement, uh, be the doom of your life <laughs> you know take, take, not at all. <laughs> take, take action on it yeah <laughs> um but yeah i think that'll that'll do it and yeah thank you everyone for listening thanks so much for joining me again today joji of course of course and um I'll see you all next time bye bye and if you have a question you'd like to hear answered on astrology hotline Send us an email at astrologyhotlinepod at gmail.com.